dead in our sins, but alive in Christ. Amen. Why don't you turn and greet someone and just welcome them here this morning on this Memorial Day weekend.
You can have a seat just for a moment and you'll understand why I say that in a moment. Because today is a very special weekend uh, here in our country and we wanna acknowledge that here in our church family. And I know we have those who uh, have been in active service or are or who have family who are or perhaps you're a veteran. Would you stand? And we wanna thank you for your service and, uh, and honor you. Thank you. Awesome. There's another one. All right. And stay standing. Stay standing. <laughs> and then we're all going to stand again because we're all going to pray together. And it would be good to stand while we pray. And um, we just want to thank God for the freedoms we enjoy. We know there was a price paid by many who've served in the military and who serve today. And we also have freedom in Jesus, and he paid a price for us. Amen? And so we want to thank him again together. So will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the privilege of meeting here freely in this place. We know that it is one of the great freedoms enjoyed by those of us who live in this great nation. And we pray today that those who serve in the cause of freedom around the world, that they would know that there are people back home who love them, who are praying for them, for their encouragement and their protection, and that they would uh, sense the values of a Christian, Christianized nation. Lord, there's not everything about our nation is Christian, but it's been influenced by Christ, and we thank you for that. We pray the church will have an even greater influence as we witness and shine the light of Jesus Christ in our community and in this nation and around the world. Lord, we thank you for those families who have provided an, an ultimate sacrifice. We pray for those who are wounded, those who are grieving as a result of service in the military. May they be encouraged and strengthened today. We remember them. We honor them. Lord, we thank you that we can pray for our nation, for our leaders. We pray today together for President Trump and Vice President Pence and those who serve at their side and under their authority. They would look to you and honor you. And Lord, we pray for the church of Jesus Christ to be a light part of the solution to the challenges that we face. And Lord, we thank you for this church and we pray that we would be those who serve gladly, eagerly, sacrificially for the cause of Christ and those around us. And Lord, we thank you that as we take moments of remembrance throughout the weekend, we thank you for all that we enjoy here in America. We thank you for all that we enjoy as followers of Jesus Christ. You paid the price, the ultimate price for us that we could not pay. When, when you died on the cross, it, it was not because you deserved to die, it was because you took our place. And we thank you for that. And we pray that we would remember you and live in honor of you even today even this weekend, 
And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed and said? Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. We're going to show a quick video to uh, promote our upcoming Serve Our City. So let's watch. My name is Mindy Prusa, and I'm the president and CEO of Bailey Children's Center. I came here about a year and a half ago, and when I came here, my main mission was to make sure that Bailey was a home for our kids. So all the kids that are here are foster children through the state of Michigan. They don't choose to be here, and so it's very important that when they do come here, we give them the love and support that they need. It's really important for me as a mom that all of our kids are treated as kids again and they learn how to be kids again because they've been through so much that maybe they've had to grow up a little too fast. So if that means they get to go on the slip and slide in the summertime or they get to go have ice cream on Sundays, we really try to give that to them. So we have 42 kids and as you can imagine, our bands are very busy. And so we love the support that you guys are willing to come in and help us just keep our vans clean and get them detailed and ready um, for the end of the school year and all of our summer activities coming up. We also have some painting that we would absolutely love and appreciate for you guys to do. Each child here on campus has their own cubby and that's where they keep their personal care items and their coats and their shoes, their school activities, and it's all um, part of their own independence. They really cherish their cubbies. So we would really appreciate just a new, fresh coat of paint on all of those cubbies for them. And of course, Whaley's home. So we're looking for um, a little bit of lawn care and some maintenance and some mulch, if at all possible, so that when they pull up in those nice clean vans, they feel very proud of where they're coming to. Davison Free Methodist Church, we just want to say thank you so very much for even wanting to come out here and help us and really experiencing what Whaley is. We're so very thankful for you and we welcome you to come here whenever you have some free time. Thank you so much. Wow, that's great. When we posted that um, earlier this week on Facebook, it was really cool to see people whose uh, connection is not with our church but with Whaley Center. Um, just excited to think that there were Christians in the community who wanted to help. Serve Our City is our way to practically demonstrate the love of Jesus in, in a multitude of practical ways. There's a list in the program. Would you take it out? Uh, I'd like you to make sure you actually touch it, look at it, uh, look through the list. Um, we're going to be serving uh, in the Adams community of downtown Flint. You saw that video last week if you were here. Uh, a really neat, more, most of that is landscaping and some cleanup. Then the second one listed on the front of the page is the Whaley Children's Center. That's the one we just saw. We're going to serve at Seipel Elementary here in Davison. There's a flower garden downtown where we served last year, kind of a combination of ministry involving the YWCA, and uh, that's, we're going to do that again. Turn the page over. We're going to be building a ramp for a family in Otisville. Uh, we're going to be connecting, reconnecting with the Autism Support Center, and that's another project where families who are, whose children are there are just so thrilled that there's people in their community that care about them and are willing to get, you know, get our hands dirty and get involved. So that's a great project. Then there's a prayer walk in downtown Flint. Anybody know Flint needs prayer? Mm-hmm, just give me one of these. Mm-hmm, all right. So maybe you want to do that. The packing project here in the church for those with physical limitations who are not able to be involved with any others, that would be a good one. And then childcare 
uh, for those who are serving. That's two weeks from today. There'll be one service at 9.30. So we get to worship, we get to be together, and then we do service. I think, uh, I think the Lord is pleased with that. Uh, Jesus in Luke chapter 11 uh, was criticized for doing work on the Sabbath day. And he responded by saying, it's, it's pleasing to God to do good on the Lord's day. And so we're excited that we get to do that together. Two weeks from today. You can read through the other announcements in the bulletin. We're going to take our offering here in just a moment so the ushers can come. If uh, you're a golfer, I'd love to uh, hit the ball. I don't really, what I do, I'm not sure it's golf, but it's close. And uh, so uh, that's a great way to meet some other people. Sign up for that. There's a place to sign up in the lobby. Let's pray. Lord, you're so good. We love you back. We love you with our songs. We love you with our prayers. And we love you with an offering of the things you've given us, we give back. So bless it in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed and said, amen. Let's receive our morning offering. give life you are love you bring light to the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken So we pour out our praise to you only. 
again. And oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing.
God, we love you this morning. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, guys. Great worship today. Thank you guys for being here on Memorial Day weekend. Well, there's a lot of things we get to remember on this day, and sometimes we get to make some new memories. At least that's the hope, right? Hope you guys got some good plans to, to get out, enjoy the weather, and get out and enjoy um, the, the, the time off school. I know uh, for Davison, we've been off all this week. So for this time, it's a week for us not to remember as far as Mary and I are concerned. We'd like to forget, uh, but we're happy our kids are going back to school on Tuesday, and, uh, and we're going to have some great time uh, celebrating Memorial Day today. Hey, Memorial Day means different things to different people, and hopefully you guys have a memory that you can grab a hold of. Hopefully, as you see the flags up here, that they actually mean something to you. Uh, a lot of us have those kind of memories that we can, we can kind of reflect on. If you've traveled anywhere internationally, you know that the, the sense of American flag, the pride that we have, sometimes gets negatively supported, but it really is something that we get to enjoy. We Not everyone in our world is free. Not everyone in our world has had people kind of give their lives so that we can have freedom. And so we're very, very thankful for that. And we can worship here today, gather with our friends and praise Jesus because of some of the sacrifices that were done. So we definitely have a great time to remember. And some of you guys will visit graves. Sometimes some of you guys will share stories. Some of you guys will have these very strong memories that will hopefully impact you in whatever kind of Memorial Day, maybe even beyond Memorial Day into the summer, into the year, and maybe even beyond that. But it really is your choice. You think back to the powerful memories that you have in your life, those things that were so formative in your life, things that are worth remembering, not all those things are positive. Sometimes it's the negative events that have such an impact on us. And I know that if someone gave their life for another person, they would want to say, you know, hopefully this would make a difference in your life. Hopefully they died for a reason. I remember the power in my mom's uh, 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 action as we went to Washington, D.C. To, um, to the Vietnam Memorial, and she took one of those papers and she got a rubbing of her cousin who died in Vietnam. And she carried that rubbing all th- with her. It was powerful for her, knowing that someone that she knew, that she was close to, gave his life so that she could experience freedom. And it meant something to her. And any time a memory we have, it needs to mean something to us. And not just mean something to us, but it needs to have an impact in our lives. Let me say this to you. If you don't get anything else from today, hear this today. God's memorials are miracles. Miracles are God's memorials. It's it's that point in our life when God uses something, turns it around, does something unexpected, does something marvelous, does something that doesn't quite fit into the natural progression of things, changes our story, changes our journey, and gives us hope into something beautiful and wonderful. It's those things that we need to remember. So let's go, we're going to walk through this a little bit today. We're going to give you a, a little bit of chance to maybe think back on some miracles that have done. Think back to those memorials. And hopefully, my prayer for us today is that God would impact us and show us the power of memory. And not just the power of memory in the past, but the power of those memories and how they can impact us in the present and in the future. And hopefully do something really kind of wonderful in the present in our lives, wonderful in the future of how God works in us. In order to do that, I'm going to need some volunteers. We're going to read a story today, one of my favorite stories. Um, it's, uh, it's in Judges chapter 3, 
And Judges is a a great book of the Bible. I've been reading through it for probably the past two years, kind of walking through, slowly through it. It's got one of my favorite stories. See, the story of Judges was before Israel had a king, and they were living there in Israel, and God would use kind of his uh, anointing or his power to rise up a certain leader that they called a judge. Now, they didn't have a gavel or a court or anything like that. They weren't those kind of judges. They were influential people that God chose to do something amazing with all throughout there. Now, here's pretty much what happens in the book of Judges. You have God's people God's people choose not to worship God. They choose to turn their back on God. They get into trouble. They get ruled by someone else. They cry out to God. God rises up a judge, a hero, to save them. And at the end of every time is what they, is, is the Hebrew word shakwat. Shakwat is this idea of peace, this idea of tranquility, this idea that we can actually serve God the way he intended it to do. And every time at the end of every single judge, you have this peace time, 20 years of peace, 40 years of peace, eight years of peace. And I think that's the goal. I think that's the goal where the memories drive us. The miracle drives us to the peace, the peaceful living, the tranquility, the life God intended it to be. So we're going to get there today, and I'm going to need your help, because I'm going to share one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. Um, every time I was a youth pastor, you should share this story, and they loved it, because it has to do with a left-handed man, a fat king on the toilet. Yes. You heard me right. It's going to be awesome. So what I need, actually, to walk through this story is 12 volunteers, because there's 12 tribes of Israel, and only one of the tribes is going to get chosen. So can we have 12 volunteers? Can I, can, do I need to pick 12 volunteers? No, 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 then they're not volunteers. Okay, we got one. The first one's always the hardest. I need 11 more. Come on, you math majors. Kids are welcome, too. Come on. Can it be all? Come on up. Come on up. We got two, three, four, five six, seven, eight, all right, all right, nine, all right, all right, how many we got up here, Some, someone count, someone count, come on up guys, come on up, 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 come on up. eight, all right, so once you guys mosey down here, mosey, mosey, mosey all the way down here, and then what I'm going to need you to do is I'm going to need to organize yourselves from little, little to big, big. So, so it's a little bit of a height challenge, okay? Not everyone's going to make the cut. The winner of this challenge, kind of like a game show, one of the, one of the winner of this challenge is going to do something marvelous and awesome and super cool. Um, you won't want to miss that. So t- a s- small, small, to, to big, big. Go ahead and line up. Um, there you go. Uh, are we getting there? We're, we're, we're about right. Someone in the back. Is, is this right? Do we need to switch it around at all? Are we good? Keep <laughs> They said that Sam is the smallest. No, Sam, you are not. You're perfect right there. All right, are we good? All right, so, so basically, here's the story, okay? Can we put the story on there? Um, uh, the, the story of Judges is in Judges chapter 3. If you guys want to read this in your own Bible, I go ahead and I would encourage you to do that. I think it's on page 235 in that pew Bible that sits in front of you, or you can boot it up on version. Judges chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 12, and this is what the story of Ehud says. You guys good? Everyone good up front? All right. You guys good? All right, here we go. Again, Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because this, they did evil. The Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Getting the Ammonites and the Amalekites to join him, Eglon came and attacked Israel. And they took possession of the city of Palms, which is Jericho. 
The Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. Everyone say 18 years. 18 years. Wow, who here is under the age of 18? Raise your hand. So basically your whole life. That sounds fun, doesn't it? Okay. Um, Notice that you raised your hand and you actually had someone over 18. That's on the small side of you. I just wanted to point that out. Okay, there you go. Okay. Uh, (laughs) The Israel was subject to 18 years. Again, the Israel cried out to the Lord and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gera, the Benjamite. Now here's where you guys get to play a part because there are 12 tribes of Israel. Do you know what the youngest tribe of Israel is? Benjamin. Benjamin. So it's not the oldest, it's the youngest. So you can have a seat, 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 you can have a seat. Hi. And she, and she wants to have a seat. Would you, would, you, would you like to help me up on stage? You want your daddy to come too? All right, all right. So come on up. Give her a round of applause. All right. So you're going to be our Ehud. Is that okay? Can you do that for us? Okay, it's going to be great. So the, the Ehud plays a part in this story. He's the deliverer that God chooses, okay? Now, there's a certain important thing that, God, that, that Ehud is actually left-handed. Are you left-handed by any chance? No? Would you like to be left-handed? No. No. All right. Okay. Well, can, can you raise your left hand? Raise your hand. Bring it up there like this, nice and tall. Okay, who here is left-handed? Raise your hand. Be proud. All right, there you go. And you guys are actually raising your left hand, which is awesome. So um, the left-handed people were seen as kind of unordinary, unorthodox. Actually, some people saw left-handedness in the Old Testament as actually a disability. Um, So maybe you guys could like get some sort of check in the mail or something like that just for being left-handed. That would sound awesome. Um, So they weren't really seen, and and Benjamin, obviously being the youngest one, there's a certain amount of opportunity that he's zeroing in on, the, on this idea that he's choosing someone that's not usually chosen to be a hero in this sense, Ehud. Now, there's another person to play in this story, okay? And uh, his, name is, uh, uh, his name is Eglon, king of Moab. So let's continue to read. Israel sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Ehud made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. Hey, Lenny, where are you at? Lenny, can you bring the sword? I need a sword. Yep. All right, so this is pretty sharp. It's made out of plastic, and I got it at Toys R Us. So, um, you know, it's safe. Can you hold on to this? I guarantee it's safe. So there's your sword. Okay, there you go. Very nice. There's a picture for you on Memorial Day. All right, there you go. Um, and, he, and he strapped it to his right thigh under his clothing. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. Now, do we have a volunteer to be Eglon? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that to anyone. We actually, we actually have our king, Moab, here. He's the worst enemy ever. Uh, strapped a Darth Vader mask to him to look very evil. And uh, there's Eglon, king of Moab, um, 
ruling over all of the uh, Israelites. Doesn't he look very scary? Um, you, try, you try walking into your bedroom late at night and see that thing staring at you. That would freak you out, okay? So after Ehud had presented the tribute, let's keep going, he sent on their way those who had carried it. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, your majesty, I have a secret message for you. Can you say, I have a secret message for you? <laughs> careful, careful with the sword. That's awesome. Do you say All right, no, no, you don't want to do that? Okay, well, this is what he says. He says, I have a secret message for you, which gets him alone, gets him quiet. And, and actually, the, um, it's actually, you find out later in the story that he's at his inner chamber, um, which is where he spends some alone time um, by himself, um, sitting on another seat that would be maybe made out of porcelain. So you guys can get the idea of where he's at, okay? So he says, I have a secret message for you. Then he said to his tenants, leave us, and they all left. Now this is what Ehud did. This is where I need your help. I need you to walk over here to this evil King Eglon, and I need you, I need you to stab him. Can you stab him? <laughs> poke him. All right, poke him. Now, there you go. Give him a great round of applause. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mary. I'll, I'll put this away before, before we hurt someone with it. Yep, there you go. Great. Give her another round of applause. She's awesome. And you guys got to read the story. We stopped there, but the story continues. And actually, they says they stabbed him so much and that they, they actually say this in Scripture. I mean, just think about this. The, the way the story is told, the way they remember this, they say that his fat rolls actually rolled over the hilt of the sword so you couldn't see it at all. Guys, go read the story. This is awesome stuff, right? And in doing that, uh, Ehud runs out and he tells people, hey, hey, leave him alone. He's finishing up in his inner chamber. <laughs> Don't bother him. Don't walk in on him. You know, all moms of toddlers know what that experience is like. Don't walk in on them, right? And, she run, and he runs out and he tells people and he's able to get away. It says that the guards wait to the point of embarrassment before they run in and they find out that he's dead. Now Ehud runs back to the hills, he sounds the trumpet, everyone is gathered, everyone who was once afraid because they had an evil king ruling over them rises up, they build an army, they're able to take back the land, and God gets the victory. And at the end of that, 20 years of peace. Wow. Why? Because Ehud did something special. Now you might say that sounds like a great story. I could rally myself around that. I could find a point of that to get some inspiration from that. Maybe you have a disability. Maybe you have something in your life that is seen as a disability. Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're not the right color. Or maybe you don't speak too good. Or maybe you're, uh, you come from a, a bad family. Or maybe you've done something in the past that people would just say, oh my gosh, that's the unforgivable sin, isn't it? Do you know that no matter what your disability is, no matter what you are, God can use you. God can use you for his good according to his purpose. I think that's a great sermon. We could probably end right there. But there's something important about this that I think I've always missed. And I always missed it until I actually went to this area in the Middle East. Do I, I put a picture in there, Beth, at the very end of that thing. Can you put that picture up? It's a picture of me. There I am. Now, this is, this is Mount Nebo, which is on the, uh, would be the eastern side of the Dead Sea. This is in present-day Jordan. This is in the area that 
Eglon ruled, the, the kingdom of Moab. I'm sitting, standing on a mountain in Moab at this point. And to my, which would be my left, right? This way or that way, depending on what screen you're looking at. The other way is the capital. And we visited this capital. It's a beautiful capital. That's probably where, the, uh, the, where Eglon lived and ruled. And he ruled all this area all the way into Israel. Now, Jerusalem is kind of where I'm pointing. And actually, it's a little off from where I'm pointing. I'm actually pointing at something else at this time. But over here is Jerusalem. I mean, not Jerusalem. You can see Jerusalem from here. But Jericho, the city of Palms that he attacked and ruled is right there. Now, Benjamin is from the area of Benjamin. He came from a little bit of the north. And, and he won down and he was chosen to bring the tribute to God. Now, he already had the plan, right? What was his plan? Left-handed, strap a sword to the place that they're not going to frisk. When they frisk me coming in, they're going to frisk on the other side because they're used to someone right-handed, not left-handed. He can sneak it in. He's the perfect, perfect person for this task. But then what happens? Did you read it? He gets in there. He sees the king. He hands him the tribute. And I always thought that he stabbed him right then. But he did it, did he? Can we go back to those verses real quick and then we'll go back to this picture. Can we go back to those verses? He sent them on their way, but reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, your majesty, I have a secret message for you. What's Gilgal? Where did he go? Why did he not seize the moment when he was there with the king, had the opportunity, got the knife, strapped to my leg, I'm ready, I snuck it in, everything's good. Why didn't he do it then? And why did he have to leave and go to this random place called Gilgal? And then that something happened there that made him what? Go back by himself. Send all the rest of the tribute carriers away and I'm going back by myself. Now this... Obviously, uh, for the Bible nerd, I can't just leave this alone. I got to figure this out, right? I got to find out why is something at Gilgal so important that makes him turn around and go back and do the thing that he was supposed to do moments before. We'll go back to the picture. I'm gonna give you a little bit of a sense of geography here. Um, uh, we're, we're sitting on the on the on the mountain of Mount Nebo, and I'm actually pointing towards Gilgal. Gilgal is an area just west of the Jordan River, just kind of in between two massive mountains that come down and you can actually see Jericho from that particular place. And here is what happened at Gilgal. Do we have those verses from Joshua? This is what happened. This is why Gilgal is so important. We have these verses from Joshua. You see, Joshua has led the group of people. Moses has died here at this hill. And he's, he's taken over the rule of the people. And he's ushering them in to obviously take over Jericho and then city after city and all the promised land. But before he gets there, they have to cross the Jordan River. And God does something special at the Jordan River, if you remember. They, they tell the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant into the middle of the Jordan River. And when they get there, when their ankles actually are running in the water on their ankles, the water stops. And the whole nation crosses over. And then God says this to Joshua. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe. You saw the 12 people, right? One from each tribe. When the whole uh, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up, 
12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from the right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men from, from whom he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of Israel to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when you walk by this area, in the future, when you go to vacation at the Jordan River, when in the future, anytime you're walking around these two massive mountains with Jericho right there and the, and the wilderness over there and the Jordan River right here, you will see these 12 stones. And your kids are gonna say, why are there 12 stones there? And when your kids ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So they do this. They set this all up. They build these 12 stones, and then they have this massive worship session. I mean, they praise God. They celebrate the Passover. The Spirit of God comes down. Those that haven't been circumcised get circumcised right here. I mean, it's, it's this whole point of leaning into God and giving the whole selves to God for what he's going to do in the future. This massive, massive, this becomes the very first holy spot in all of the promised land. That's Gilgal. In fact, this is what they say after the party, after the, it's all done and they're about to go take Jericho. This is what they say. He said to the Israelites in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. God worked a miracle. Remember, God's miracles are memorials, right? The memorials that he does are the miracles he works in our lives. That's a miracle. Stop the water in the dry ground that they walked across. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did this to the Jordan, what he had done to the Red Sea when it dried up before, uh, before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth, all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of God is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So go back to the picture. Go back to the picture there on the top of Mount Nebo. So there I am, and I'm pointing towards Gilgal. Now Gilgal is about 10 miles from the kingdom, the, the palace of Eglon in Moab. 10 miles. So here's the story. We read it, and it was beautiful, right? Stab the king. He's a fat king. He's on the toilet. It's a fun story. But here's the, hard, here's, the, here's, the, here's the raw part of this. Ehud went. He had his opportunity, and he chickened out. He had his opportunity to do what God called him to do. He had his opportunity to, to do the exact thing that God had destined him to do for greatness. And he chickened out. Some of you know what that's like. Some of you know what it's like to be, God speaks something so powerfully in your life and you say, no, 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 I can't do that. Are you kidding me, God? I'm left-handed. I'm from Benjamin. There's no way I can do this. And he chickens out. And he walks 10 miles. I don't know if I've ever really walked 10 miles at one particular time, but I've definitely walked away from God 
And I know that every step that I took when I turned my back on what God told me to do was a miserable, miserable journey. I regretted every moment of that. I wanted to take back that moment. I wanted to do something different. And I could feel Ehud walking all the way to the point that I'm pointing to until they put up camp on the other side of the Jordan River, realizing that nothing's changed. They still have an evil king who wears the Darth Vader mask ruling over them. They're still slaves. They're not free. They can't worship the God that they're destined to worship. So he cuts up camp and they put up their tents and they, they spend the night and maybe he wakes up in the morning and, and as he gets up in the morning to, to maybe make breakfast, he looks over and he sees 12 stones stacked upon each other. 12 stones that have been there for about 50 years. 12 stones that maybe he actually picked out which stone came from the tribe of Benjamin, his tribe. Maybe it was even his grandfather or one of his relatives who laid that stone. And he remembers what his parents told them, told him all throughout the time. When we see these stones, we remember that God is powerful. We remember that God is wondrous. We remember that God can work miracles. So he says, guys, go ahead home. I've got some unfinished business. I've got something to do. He takes 10 miles back. I believe in the 10 miles, he's thinking, how am I going to get him alone? <laughs> I had my opportunity. I gave him the tribute. I was there this close to him. I could have stabbed him with a knife then. How am I going to do now? So I believe he conjures up this idea saying, I'm gonna, I have a secret message for him. Dismisses everyone, just him in there. God works the miracle. He escapes, sounds the alarm. The troops arrive. They win back the land. And they get an extended amount of time of peace, tranquility, and the life that God intended them to live in the promised land, worshiping him. So the question is, what's, what are you going to remember? Where's your memorial? I have a couple statements here just to kind of frame our time before we go. This is the first one here. We remember who God is when we share his stories in community. Did you see that? Did you see God did something special with the Israelites and he told them, tell your kids all about it. Anytime they ask about it, tell your kids, parents, Tell your kids what God did in your life. Don't miss the opportunity. If you take nothing back from this, take them home today, put them a hot dog in their hands, and tell them what God did in your life or what God's doing in your life. Share those stories. Make God come alive in you and in your stories. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Number two, this the memorial reminds us that if God wondered us in the past, he can wonder us today. If God did something in your life, maybe a long time ago, maybe so far ago that you can barely see the stones that are erected. Maybe the stones are covered with moss and need to have some serious landscape work on them to clear them up. It's been so long since you did it, but God still did something in your life. God set you free 
God led you to the individual who you would love for the rest of your life. God provided for you in a time of need. God healed you. God showed you grace and love when you were bold enough to walk to an altar or bold enough to pull someone aside at camp and say, pray with me, I want God into my heart. He showed up there, didn't he? He worked a miracle, didn't he? And if God can wonder you back then, can he wonder us again today? So that's Memorial Day. It's more than a left-handed man and a fat king. It's about God working miracles in our lives and us letting those miracles be the memorial that changes our present and gives us a better future. Guys, come on up. Let me pray for us as we leave today. Why don't you stand with us and receive the blessing as you go. Father, I bless these, your people. Father, I ask that as we gather here just for a moment here, before we head out, Father, that you would, you would speak in your power, that your Holy Spirit would communicate powerful things. Father, that you'd help us all to remember what, you're, what you've done in our lives, that you'd communicate those powerful things to us. Father, we know that miracles are your memorial. That's those things that you've done in our lives that give us the hope that you can do it again. Father, I pray for the parents that you give them the courage to share their stories with their kids even today. And I pray that you would bless us all as we remember you. We love you, Lord. I bless these, your people, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, I think they're going to play us out. Have a great week. Blessings on you. We'll see you next week.